Good morning. Welcome to Rochester Today. Tuesday show is a, it's not an abbreviated show, Tom Ostrom, so we can have some time to get caught up on everything happening in the world. Good morning. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell and, uh, hi, Tom. <laughs> hi, Andrew. <laughs> so I guess, uh, as we always do, what, what's in the mailbag today? Okay. The Babylon Bee satire. Archaeologists uncovered the rainbow logos from Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're so irreverent. This from Nevada, Dan. Pat Buchanan has been saying for a long time that we shouldn't go to war unless we absolutely have to. Buchanan ran for president, didn't get there. Trump is much like Pat in many ways, and he won, but was hated like Pat. And Reagan and Nixon had the views of Pat and he, them. Uh, and uh, But any any effective Republican like all those I just named have been hated by the left. And I wonder why their hatred is so vehement. Uh, and they've all been thwarted and demonized by the media and the swamps of the day. And then this from Kent. I heard a portion of the show last night, or last night, last week. Uh, it was discussed that the two major parties are moving more to the left and to the right, the far left, far right. I know what the left, far left is. Ideologies, Marxism, totalitarianism, tyranny, state control, cancellation, censorship, demonizing the opposition. Far right... I guess that's me, an ideology that embraces liberties and tenets enshrined in the Constitution, American sovereignty, valuing human life, honoring the country's heritage, Judeo-Christian morals, committed to the nuclear family and capitalism, equal opportunity, not equal results. The Democrats have moved to the far left. Our challenge is to hold the fort and stand firm in the same direction and not slide. I don't think our views are extreme. Uh, that's Kent. Well, Kent, I, I would say that the viewpoints he expressed there are not what I would consider far-right views. I've always said that if you go take the left to its extremes and the rights to its extremes, they both circle around and meet each other. And it's taking away of personal freedoms. And Tom, I know you take offense well, to the terminology I'm using, but I, I think the examples you could bring up are um, the Soviets and the Maoists of China and totalitarianism. And then you could also bring up the fascists of Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler and their extremist views. And both of those, in both of those cases, uh, there's no mention of liberty or personal responsibility or of the other virtues that Kent had brought up. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I would argue. I mean, because oftentimes, Tom, in the discussion of American politics, when you're talking about people on the far left, you're talking about people who are advocating socialist and communist ideologies. And on the right, you often associate the extreme right with a, a neo-Nazi movement or even um other racist theologies 
And those are, yeah. I'm telling you, on the far extremes. Sure. I, uh, <clears throat> I agree with you. The Nazis in World War II and the communists uh, ran the full circle into each other. In fact, the Nazis were National Socialists. That's what Nazi stands for, National Socialist Party. But I do kind of agree with Kent in the sense that we do see the Democrat totalitarianism in operation, and I don't see Republican totalitarianism in operation at this stage. But you're talking about well, the, like the like the circle of fascism and Nazism, yeah, the, the uh, first, communism, the far outreaches of it. Sure. Yes. This from Joel. Uh, I'm tired of people making fun of our conservative statements when we say we offer our thoughts and prayers to the aggrieved and to victims of gun violence. Uh, Our prayers are intended to give comfort at the present time. Red flag laws uh, worry me. Do they offer prevention? Will vengeful types abuse the laws and people's liberties? Will they falsely accuse people? Uh, And... uh, we have to offer our children the best protection we know with the methods that we have. Uh, so that uh, that's Joel's uh, concern, thoughts and prayers and uh, protection. But red flag laws uh, to go after potential uh, perpetrators of violence, he wonders if that could be abused. And when we refer to red flag laws, it refers to... Uh, a petition brought to a court somehow that questions a person's mental status and their ability to possess weapons. That's right. And then uh, regulations to gun dealers about what to look after, what to look out for, and who to look out for. <laughs> well, and, you, and I, I'm not going to dive deep into this whole gun control debate because I, I it's another one of those. Debates, I, I think, is not solvable. I think that politically, the Democrats or those who align uh, with more gun regulation uh, are meeting up with a significant number of people who are against additional gun regulation, and the chances of getting anything passed are <laughs> next to nothing, as we've seen time and time again. So I think the argument's almost moot um, in this current political climate, but there is some well, question as to the constitutionality of these red flag laws because mm-hmm. you are, in essence, punishing per, a person for a crime they have yet to commit. And the other aspect of it is, particularly in this latest disaster down in Texas, would of a red flag law had any impact on what happened there? Was this gunman, was he subject to any flags? I mean, they knew... He was a troubled individual. He had made threats against the school, but it seems as if no action was taken and no real attempts were made to confront this uh, person before they acted. So I want—I'm I, I, just wondering if it would be an effective deterrent against these sorts of, sorts of things, and even if you did have it, I can see it effective. In certain cases where a person commits violence against family members and others, because those close to that person could go, this this person's in a downward spiral and we need to do something to get the guns out of the house. But in a case like this in Texas where this kid was throwing off warning signs that seem obvious today, 
and were largely ignored even by law enforcement leading up to this, I, I don't know if it would have. Yeah. Well, when you look at the people who perpetrate violence, uh, so many of them have had a, a rap sheet. They have had troubles, contacts with authorities. Uh, yeah. And so when do you say that's enough or, uh, well, uh, we left this slide and police officials and FBI have made mistakes and, uh, uh, school officials have. So it is a valid issue. How do we monitor? But in the cases that you pointed out, uh, those who have had contact with law enforcement and particularly convictions, uh, a large number of those people are currently under orders not to be in possession of any weapons. Sure. Uh, it's illegal for them to have firearms sure. because of their past actions. And, and how many times do we read about judges who have ordered abusive husbands to stay away from their spouses or girlfriends, and yet they kick in doors and do damage? Uh, that seems to be a pattern, too. So uh, civil liberties versus uh, civil protection, it yeah. is a fine line. It's a tough one to... The demarcation of where that lane is is really difficult as well. It, it certainly deserves a public debate, though, to see whether or not it has merit. It does. And one more mailbag, this from Phil. Tina Smith, U.S. Senator of Minnesota, he's corresponded with her and objected to her policies. And uh, uh, Phil says, uh, Smith tells me, how we must stop killing innocent children with guns. Later in a long letter, she tells me how she works for Planned Parenthood, killing thousands of the smallest children. So uh, Phil finds an incongruity there. That's the mailbag. That is the mailbag. All right. We will take our first break and return with more of a full hour of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Rochester Today continues on this Tuesday morning. Tom Ostrom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. And boy, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Uh. I, well, I, I've been trying to read about what's happening in St. Paul, Tom, with the unfinished work of the last legislative session. And the governor and legislative leaders met on Friday and apparently didn't accomplish much towards a special session to deal with uh, the large looming issues of tax relief and maybe even more crucially what to do to help out the uh, nursing homes and long-term care centers, which are in crisis right now. And it's that, that situation could blow up in everybody's faces uh, politically. Uh, you're getting to the point where, there are so many empty beds because there's not enough staff to take care of the people who would fill those beds. So you've, economically, even, you have places like Rochester with St. Mary's Hospital and many of the surgeries that are done here are often followed up by a period of rehabilitation in these sort of long-term care facilities. Well, if there's no place to put people after they undergo a medical emergency or some sort of uh, surgery to correct something before they can go home, uh, where do you put them? Who's going to care for them? How much is that going to cost? It may cost a heck of a lot more than it would cost to offer some sort of, um, I guess relief might be the best word, but 
most of these long-term care facilities are funded through reimbursements of Medicare dollars or Medicaid dollars or insurance dollars. And in many cases, it's Medicare. And the state has a lot of say in how much is available to pay the people working in these care facilities. And if they, uh, they've fled in droves because the stress of the work and the pay is not all the great and much higher pays being offered to them for other kinds of work. And it's, it's getting to the point of a crisis mode. But I also noticed that, uh, even among Democrats, they're looking at the tax relief package of this, considering high inflation and gasoline prices and all of the ominous clouds on the horizon for Democrats running for election in the fall. They're looking for some sort of tax relief to send out to the voters before fall that they can take some sort of credit for. And uh, that's not happening either. So it's, it's getting, I wonder, yeah. the pressure, let's put it this way, the pressure is building for something to happen. And, and the pressure is mainly on the Democrat side because on the Republican side, you have a <laughs> decent uh, number of lawmakers who say, this guy all wait till the next session. There's really no urgent impetus for us to do anything with this. We can, the money is, it's not a budget year. We can let that money sit and deal with it uh, come January after the next elections. Um, <clears throat> but that's kicking the can down the road, too. Well, the idea, Tom, is I think that the Republican mm-hmm. strategists believe they have a decent chance of making some gains in not only Congress, but at the state capitol. It may have... Uh, may be able to take control of both chambers, which would give them a much better chance of advancing their proposals compared to what's happening right now. That's right. They're hoping that in Congress, too, uh, as well as the state legislature. Um, on Minnesota news, uh, Pafawa Yang is a, um, an Asian-American journalist, and she's with Alpha News now. And boy, she takes on the tough issues and does tough interviews. And uh, she's covering Buffalo High School in Minnesota, where the school is promoting a video claiming male and female differences and definitions are not so clear cut. And uh, and she said that the video features uh, Nye the science guy, and he's just saying the science says that there's fluidity in, in genders and the gender spectrum, um, and uh, and that's that's science and. Uh, critics say, well, uh, are you people following science or are you following culture and, and, and politics? But uh, those controversies go on. And then Putin, Alpha News, showed some videos that he got from another source. The sprawling shantytown slums in Minneapolis and the pictures are just horrifying. And then there are attempts to cover it up with shields, with barriers, with the Wooden fences, uh, previously uh, cleared green spaces, are now filled with the problems that come with the shanty towns, and it and it uh, it really looks horrible, and uh, not much attention is being paid to it, uh, nor are the solutions evident. And then Powerline, uh, the city of Minneapolis, John Hinderaker says, the city of Minneapolis. Life in the city. Not too many years ago, Minneapolis was a safe place. 
but that was another galaxy. Uh, recently, a gun battle broke out by the University of, of, of Minnesota, and uh, the criminals were not frat brothers. You could hear the gun battle. Here's the surveillance video. Uh, one person can be seen firing shots down an alley. A 15-year-old boy uh, was shot. This this got to be the he said the worst governed city in, in the United States, and the gun battle was was shot from a in the film shot from a from different angles, and uh, and and real close to the heart of the city at the University uh, of, of Minnesota, uh, and no police presence. Uh, Black Lives Matter, huh? St. George Floyd, huh? Commemorated everywhere. Everything's okay. Not to worry. So, have you, did you watch the videos, Tom, of that? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, it, they've been distributed elsewhere other than Powerline. They're available. Uh, this is right on, as you point out, frat row. And there's one particular property that is the source of I guess allegedly the source of the majority of the problems they're experiencing. And the owners of this property are trying to evict every single person living in the building. And they're going through the legal process of trying to get them out, but it takes time. You have to get before a judge. And this is even more interesting, part of their defense because of the complaints they're receiving about the obvious problems, uh, a gun battle in the middle of the street right across the road from the University of Minnesota, um, that there are people living there who basically are claiming squatters' rights. That they're not even on the lease. They base more or less moved in on their own and are living in this apartment building, and they're trying to get them kicked out. And mm-hmm. right as it stands right now, the legal system is moving very slowly. But the cops are there almost every night. The University of Minnesota has installed a dedicated security camera on its property pointed at this particular apartment building so it can monitor what's going on and try to get University of Minnesota police there as quickly as possible. But as you could attest to when you watch the videos, this gunfire went on for a long time. It sounded I know it wasn't machine gun fire, but it was the rapidity of the fire the shots being fired. It sounded like machine gun fire. It sounded like you were in Afghanistan or, or maybe even Ukraine with some of the fighting yeah. going on. It was incredible. Yeah. I can't imagine having a student, my child, going to that school and living in any one of the buildings that near anywhere near Frat Row. It was right on the University Avenue. That's right. And months ago, that progressive president was in favor of defunding police, of stripping down the, the campus police authority, and uh, she's awfully silent about those things now. Uh, it's uh well as I've said before this crime issue is it may end up being the number one issue in this election the fall election depending on what happens over the next few months we do have to take our break Tom already we're uh, running up against our new <laughs> news break so uh, can't believe we've already used up half the show but we will return with the other half after the news break Tom Ostrom's here I'm Andy Brownell on Rochester today on Rochester's News Talk. 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's Rochester today, Tuesday morning. A full show instead of a shortened one for baseball. <laughs> it's been a while since Tom and I have had a chance to chat for a little bit. So 
We're taking a more leisurely pace, Tom. What, what do you have next on the list of topics? Florida Governor DeSantis is increasingly popular in the media, and the liberals are trying to take him down. He's, he's, uh, he's formidable. He's a possible presidential candidate. His popularity is high, and he's very adept at nailing these liberal reporters and their biased, stupid questions. They just hate him. But he has a personality that Trump lacks, so he's doing quite well. And in straw polls uh, recently, Colorado and elsewhere at conservative summits, he does uh, uh, beat Trump in, in favorability for the presidential candidacy. Uh, whether they will run together or Trump will back off or DeSantis will choose to stay governor uh, remains to be seen. But uh, but uh, party members and, and general Republicans in close polls, but still dominant, DeSantis tops Trump uh, in favorability. And uh, so that's an interesting. He says he won't run against Trump. And uh, Trump says, I like DeSantis. He's an excellent governor. And the press will not put divisions between us. But it's oh. interesting anyway. Well, yeah, it, things uh, it's. It'll be what be next summer. We'll be talking about people campaigning in Iowa, so it's not that far away. I did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of on a related note. I just thought I'd bring it up very quickly. But you often bring up the the Hunter Biden business and uh, the ongoing Durham investigation and that part of it. Well, I always point out that the Democrats have their counter, which is their January sixth investigation within Congress over what happened at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, last year, and apparently they're going to go prime time this week with the investigation and do a splashy production. <laughs> and as I've questioned you, will the discussions over the Durham investigation and Hillary Clinton and Hunter Biden have any impact on voters? I have the same question for the Democrats. Will this have any impact at all on what voters will do in November, considering the issues of today are largely crime inflation? And the economy, not the shenanigans of political types. And um, even Nancy Pelosi, I saw, kind of downplayed the political impact of these hearings going public and the alleged disclosures that will be made on primetime television starting this week. The other aspect of this is this is the time of the year that people really cut back on their television watching. I there's no chance in at all that you're going to see me parked in front of a TV watching these hearings. Yeah. Well, uh, Cheney's bound and determined to hurt Trump enough that he won't run in the next election. And uh, the polls indicate the public's interest is dropping off uh, on the January 6th thing and that Trump is increasingly not blamed. But it was a horrible mistake he made, and it does hang over him. Uh, even in the minds of Republicans. So we'll see what happens. But the Republicans say we have counterpoints to them. Nancy Pelosi turning down Trump's request for troops, the Washington, D.C. police asking for help, uh, D.C. cops letting people in previously locked doors. Uh, we're going we're gonna to counter these points. But, yeah, but the Democrats uh, and the two Republicans. And Nancy Pelosi wouldn't even accept McCarthy's uh, a suggestion of what Republicans should be on the January 6th committee. That's unheard of in Congress, that the 
that the minority party does get to determine committee members. And so Republicans are going to fight back, but uh, it remains to be seen. They've, they've hired a skilled uh, uh, TV producer, so right. the show business aspect will be interesting to watch. The tension will be thick in the air. I'm being sarcastic. Okay, what well, else? Uh, uh, well, Go ahead, Tom. The... Uh, you know, uh, 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 Chris Donaldson, who writes for Facebook and Twitter and uh, other sources, uh, is covering this. The federal uh, police foiled an ISIS plot to assassinate former President Bush with killers smuggled across the porous southern border with an Iraqi who came to the United States and he tried to get a kill team uh, because he blamed uh, uh, Bush, G.W. Bush, for invading Iraq and killing Iraqis, and uh, but the the feds foiled the plot. That's not getting the publicity, I think, but it sure points out the danger of that border. And this man had planned to get uh, killers to come over the border and then escape back to the border, but our federal police were on top of it. The FBI terrorism task force. Uh, I haven't read much about it. Uh, uh, people uh, should be alarmed by that. Yeah, I did see the headlines and read a little bit when the was first uh, disclosed that this was a a plot, but nothing much since then. That's for sure. Yeah, and then two more items uh, in national news: uh, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Agency, which is part of the Department of Homeland Security, did release a report that the Dominion voting machines revealed sophomore software weaknesses, exploitability, and the ability of people to insert malicious codes to alter results. Uh, they're not saying whether that changed the election, but, uh, but they pointed that out, and it said the software could be leveraged uh, by people uh, with privileges if they want to install a malicious code. And then there's a half of page of how they could do it in computer jargon that only my friend Andrew oh, would understand. I've learned that that's past my page as well, but um, I understand it's not in the bulletin, obviously, because the bulletin's pretty straightforward technical piece, but those who were interviewed afterwards who are part of the agency said they this is the way they said it, so I'm going to be careful. They said, we have no evidence that these Flaws were exploited in either 2020 or 2016. But what I find interesting about the flaws and what you mentioned, and some of these flaws, I, my understanding is they require somebody to physically have access to the machine. So you're right, it would have to be an inside job for this to happen. But that you can't rule that out either. You can't say that that's unlikely because it's, it's not impossible. It's not like you have to go through a top-secret security check to be a polling worker uh, and be part of a, an election team. But what I wonder with this disclosure by this agency, what impact it will have on the lawsuits that Dominion has brought against um, Trump and uh, what's the guy's – I'm sorry, the, the pillow, my pillow guy. Yeah, yeah, because my, they were the, the what is the claim defamation that they that they defamed this company by alleging these sort of things were were happening in these elections, and now with the disclosure that this is within the realm of possibility, 
that I wonder if this will make those lawsuits go away in some way, shape, or form, or if the uh, judge might be agreeable to dismiss these lawsuits. Yeah. Because it's not pure fiction at this point. You have this government agency has said, yeah. (laughs) Is it likely these flaws were exploited? No, but they're there, and they're available for somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, but it really hasn't been investigated either, and those uh, those those machines have been kept quiet. And Dominion has frightened even Fox News, uh, and they've they're gone after Sidney Powell too, the famous uh, lawyer, and they've gone after Rudy Giuliani, uh, who they they and both those people still it's just they have evidence uh, of it. But Fox News is gun shy of uh, of being sued, and and that's what's slowing people down. Uh, because the, the left and the Democrats have really been successful at demonizing anybody that brings up this conspiracy theory. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's it, it, it's an interesting twist to that entire storyline. That's for sure. Yeah. One more item for me uh, in, in national news. Uh, Governor Abbott of Texas, he's just disgusted with the border crime, the overflow, the drugs, the cost to Texas, the crime. And he's threatened to send uh, these uh, migrants to Washington, D.C. and to Delaware to give those political entities uh, the troubles that the southern border has. Even Democrats are speaking up. Something has to be done. And he said he sent buses to uh, these blue areas of the north, and he's planning and has chartered 400 buses <laughs> to to keep sending these migrants to D.C. and to Delaware and uh, and, and all of that, and uh, so <laughs> we'll see what happens there. That issue will will remain an issue. And that's another way. Well, if, if uh, the predictions of another flood of migrants coming towards the border turns out to be true, and you have yet again this summer another well, you are, you have the ongoing crisis at the border. It's uh, from what I've read, it's they're still seeing record-setting numbers. If it gets even worse. As you head into the summer election season leading up to November. Yeah. All the issues are aligned against one side in this political process during this midterm. That's for sure. Tom, we will take a quick break and we will return with more of Rochester today on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We're back to Rochester today on this Tuesday morning that Tom, we it's an election day in many parts of the country. And uh, we mentioned earlier the crime issue and all the other issues that are aligned against Democrats. I was reading in the Wall Street Journal that in San Francisco and Los Angeles, I think it was, and it's the mayor's race in Los Angeles, the a guy who has been a Republican pretty much until very recently has now switched to being a Democrat Carusco or Caruso, a billionaire out there. He uh, he's edging out the more left wing incumbent in that race, and this will be the primary election, which in that part of the world is basically the de facto election. Mm-hmm. So you could see a what you would term a conservative Democrat taking over the reins of one of the country's largest cities, basically because of what's happening in the crime. And I think it's Mm -hmm. in uh, San Fran where they uh, installed the DA, who is uh, those DAs that you've often brought up who do not prosecute 
many of these criminal cases based upon a progressive philosophy. And even in San Francisco, people are fed up and there's a recall election that's taking place <laughs> today to boot this guy. And some mm-hmm. of the people who want him out are the very same people who used to work in the DA's office who uh, have seen the, um, I guess, the uh, the foolishness of what is happening out there by failing to bring criminals to court to answer for their misdeeds. So this could be a big, a big day, even though they're just primary races, but they're primary races in areas where the party is so dominant that it will probably decide who is elected in these races. Well, that's interesting. And, uh, it does show the discomfort some Democrats have with, uh, Democrat, uh, policies, uh, and some of these border Democrat officials too, uh, are, are chiding the Biden administration saying, close this border. So we'll see what's seeping into the Democrat party philosophically. Yeah, that you have the divisions within the Republican Party over Trump, basically, and now you have big divisions occurring within the Democrat Party over how far to the left the party should go, and uh, maybe the the more moderate wing can gain back some ground. Right, and Trump is uh, the people who say we like like DeSantis also say Trump was correct on foreign policy, on economics. He was highly effective. He was good for America. America was better off, but they just don't like his personality. And they say, if he comes back, you got the swamp, you got the courts, you got the media uh, you, 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 that are going to go after him again. And time's going to be taken up uh, battling these, uh, these accusations from his past record. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens in these okay. elections. Uh, Maybe we should get updated uh, uh, on some international news. Yeah, I, I just want to comment that Israel uh, has a security plan for its schools, and it's in the heart of terroristic country. But it has fences around schools. You can only get in one way. No one can get into schools who aren't uh, associated with the schools. They have spotters out uh, in the region, and they do racial profiling, something liberals don't want here. And they haven't had problems, and there are lots of terrorists around there. I know, but in that sense, uh, how nightmarish is that? That we like to treasure our schools as a community headquarters, more or less. That this is where you send your children, and families gather, and you can have meetings in schools, and they're welcoming to the community for athletic events and whatever else it may be, and to. I mean, I I understand, you know, with what's happened in this world with these shootings, why this this is actually within the realm of possibility with that we would have to. Oh, it's it's so. What's the term? Dystopic or dystopic? Um, almost science fiction like it's. Well, it, it is, but the, it is, but the shootings are are more horrific than the sec- any security measures that could be taken to stop them, I think. And, uh, well, yeah, th- I mean, you can bring up the same argument people brought up or still bring up because the pandemic is ongoing, but that the, the effects of the shutdown were more horrific than the effects of the illness. I'm not saying uh-huh. I, I abide by that argument, but it's out there. And I could argue that the mental health aspects of, building a fortress around to protect your school may have 
a very big negative impact on a lot larger number of students than what is actually happening as far oh, as right. the violence is concerned. Right. But now you got the horrific effects uh, allegedly on the children who, who suffered lockdowns and exclusion yeah. from schools. So, uh, yeah, you're right. There's always problems with a cure and problems if you don't cure. Uh, the woke American uh, embassy officials are causing trouble in the Middle East. Uh, okay. U.S. embassy flags uh, are are flying in, in the uh, Muslim states where gay behavior is criminal and could be imprisoned. And people has made uh, the state Tom, we're having a little trouble with your microphone. Hang on a also second. Also put up some Yeah, I had a little trouble with your microphone. So I just oh. want to clarify, is are we flying the rainbow flag? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. Because it's pride in, 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 in Kuwait. Okay. And uh and 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 then there's some other uh, Middle East states too where gay behavior is a serious crime. And then uh also uh, the, the, a gay flag is flying at the U.S. Embassy in the Vatican. Now, the Vatican is mixed on this uh, this business of, of uh, gay rights. Uh, they say g- people can't help how they're born, and uh, gay people are not sinners, they're not sinful unless they act on the propensity, then they are. So the Vatican, I, to my knowledge, hasn't responded to these Okay. Uh, rainbow flags, but uh, but uh, some of the Middle Eastern nations are. We've got about uh, two or so minutes, Tom. Okay. Uh, things are changing in the Ukraine. The Russians are taking back land. They've got more imposing artillery, but the U.S. then is sending more imposing artillery to, to the Ukraine. Uh, and and Putin has said, if that if that artillery comes, it has the capacity to be shot into Russia. And if a mistake is made or Ukraine does it on purpose, uh, we are ready to attack the NATO nations for supplying these things or for being a, a pathway uh, into Ukraine that, that allows them to get these rockets, these missiles. So. Putin uh, isn't isn't quieting down, and um, what scares me, Andy, uh, both uh, the Ukraine president and the Russian president are desperate for victories, and I think uh, that desperation uh, causes a danger uh, to uh, either side acting extremely, and then it's all bets are off as to what Russia will do. And right, French, President Mac- French President Macron has said, we have to settle this diplomatically, this war, and we can't humiliate Russia. We have to deal with Russia, and we don't want them to go too closely to China. Other observers have made that comment. So we'll see how this Ukraine situation uh, may be changing. And uh, even in our country, the, the war is now off the front page. Um, it's kind of an antiquated way to describe it, but it's not getting the level of coverage it was a month ago as this has turned into this, um, I, I hate to use the terminology, meat grinder war of uh, 
slow advancement by the Russians, counterattacks by the Ukraine forces, um, barrages of artillery fire going back and forth in concentrated areas. I saw one person describe it, uh, a writer, as this is looking more like a World War II battlefield uh, rather than what you've seen in more modern conflicts where it's the paratroopers and the lightning strikes and the Air, air Force component of it. And uh, they're both horribly deadly and destructive and terrible. And and it's human nature. Once people become accustomed to hearing about this type of action somewhere in the world, it's it becomes background noise to people. So then you wonder if the Biden policies of the amount of armaments being sent there and the amount of money being sent there, um, well, whether or not the domestic support will, for that will continue long term. It's up in the air at this point. And with that, yeah. we are out of time. So we'll talk again on Thursday, Tom. I look forward to it. The full yeah. hour went by really fast. Goodness gracious. But uh, good, to, good to chat with you again, Tom, and we'll do it in a couple days. You bet. All right. Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester Today on Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM.